Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. The Mishnah in Perkyavo says, Ben Azai says, he wasn't called Rabbi, he wasn't called Reb, he was just called Ben Azai. And that's because he never got married. So he never took a title. So Ben Azai says, Run to perform a simple mitzvah, a small mitzvah, and run away from a sin. Because one mitzvah brings another, and one sin brings another sin. And another reason is, Sheschar mitzvah mitzvah that the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah, and the reward for the sin is a sin. That's the Mishnah. Now, a few questions. Earlier in Pirkei Avos, in chapter 2, the Mishnah says, be scrupulous with a small mitzvah as you would be with a big mitzvah, because you never know what the reward of a mitzvah might be. So he says, be scrupulous with a small mitzvah as you would with a big mitzvah. Now here, he says, run to do a small mitzvah. And he doesn't say the small mitzvah as the bigger mitzvah. So in chapter 2, he says, be scrupulous with the big little mitzvah just as you would with the big mitzvah. Here he says, run to do a little mitzvah. He doesn't say just as you would run to do a big mitzvah. So there's something different here. In general, we know that Perke Avos takes us beyond the letter of the law. Well, in the letter of the law it says, run to perform every mitzvah. That's part of the commandment. It's not beyond the letter of the law. So what's going on? So we have the letter of the law that says, run to do every mitzvah. We have the Mishnah in chapter 2 that says, Be scrupulous with little mitzvahs as you would with a big mitzvah. And we have here in the Mishnah, in the fourth chapter, we have run to do a small mitzvah and run away from a sin. So we've got three different statements about the little mitzvah or running to do a mitzvah. So the idea is like this. The statement in the code of law in Shulchan Aruch, which is the letter of the law, that says you should always run to do a mitzvah, that's talking about physical running. That you should go quickly, physically, just the way you would do any activity that you're excited about. Now you're going to work, you go. You don't drag yourself, you go with enthusiasm. Physically, you move. So when you go to do a mitzvah, don't drag yourself there, don't drag your feet, go with a little enthusiasm which is the right way to do anything. The Torah is saying that even when you're doing a mitzvah, which is not your thing, right? You mean you're doing it because it's a mitzvah. So you you might not have the enthusiasm that one has when you're doing your own thing, your favorite thing. So the code of law says you've got to do a mitzvah as if it were your favorite thing. And with your favorite thing, you would do it, of course, with a little enthusiasm. So, do the mitzvah with enthusiasm. That's why it's the letter of the law, 
because that applies to everybody. Even the most simple Jew, the most simple individual, can, can walk a little faster. <laughs> Just show a little enthusiasm. You don't have to be a tzaddik for that. You do it for other things, do it for the mitzvah. So that can be the letter of the law because it's reasonable to expect it of anybody. And the law, of course, applies to everybody. When you go beyond the letter of the law, it may not apply to everybody. And that's why it's beyond the letter of the law. It's not demanded or expected of everybody. At least not at the beginning. So, run to do a mitzvah, that's talking about physical enthusiasm. Here, in the Mishnah, when Ben-Azai says, run to do a small mitzvah, he's not talking about physically running. He's talking about an emotional thing, that the intensity with which you do a mitzvah should be like you can't wait. So it's not talking about a physical enthusiasm. It's talking about a real emotion of excitement that doesn't let you sit still. Now, to have that kind of excitement about a mitzvah, that's asking more than the average person can muster. It's one thing to say, look, God is the boss. He created the world. He created me. Whatever he says, I have to do. I can even do it gladly. But run emotionally? Like it wakes me up in the morning, I can't sleep because there's a mitzvah to do? That's not so common. For this, Benazai says, beyond the letter of the law, don't just act enthusiastically about a mitzvah. Run emotionally. What does it mean to run? When does a person run? When the enthusiasm is more than he can contain. Usually, we think of running in the negative. You run when your life's in danger. And then you run enthusiastically. <laughs> you get very enthusiastic about that. More than your, than your regular uh, demeanor can contain. So you run. In other words, you lose it. It's more than you can handle. So you take off running. That's what Ben Azai is talking about. You should run to do a mitzvah like, like you can't control it. Like it's overwhelming. That is beyond the letter of the law. You don't expect this of every person. But Benazai is saying something even more than that. He says, run to do a small mitzvah. He doesn't say the small mitzvah as well as the big mitzvah. Which would make sense. The big mitzvah is a little easier to get excited about. You're more likely to get excited. So it would make sense to say, you know how you can get excited about a big mitzvah? Get excited about a little one as well. Harder, but the right thing to do. Benazai doesn't even mention the big mitzvah. He just says, run to do a little mitzvah. So the Rebbe explains it like this. All mitzvahs have something in common that make them all big mitzvahs. Without distinction. And that is, this is God's need. This is what God is expecting of you. So, what's the difference? What the mitzvah is? 
It doesn't matter whether it's saying the Shema in the morning or putting a penny into a pushka or uh, picking up a dangerous object from the street where somebody might get hurt. What's the difference what the mitzvah is? The main thing is, it's what God wants. So if you're focused on the general principle behind mitzvahs, in other words, if you're focused on God's will, there are no big mitzvahs and little mitzvahs. And maybe that's what the earlier Mishnah says. Be scrupulous about a, bi- a small mitzvah just as a big mitzvah because they're all the same. If you're thinking about God's will. So if you're responding to God's will, then there should be no difference between a big mitzvah, a little mitzvah, they're all the same. And that's why he says, because you don't know the reward of a mitzvah. It's beyond our knowledge what the mitzvah means to him. So how can you say this mitzvah is a small mitzvah? Why? Because you find it easy to do? The question is, what does it mean to him? Well, how are you supposed to know that? So we don't know. Here, Ben Azai says, run to do a small mitzvah. See, we're moving along. As we get further and further in the chapters of, we're getting kind of higher level. We've already achieved what is written in the earlier chapters. Now we're moving up the ladder to higher levels. So now Ben Azai says, it's great to have enthusiasm and be scrupulous about all mitzvahs equally, the small as well as the big, because you're thinking about God's will. That's wonderful. You've gone beyond the letter of the law. However, there's a next step. The next step is, consider the difference between mitzvahs. Think about the individual mitzvah, not about the fact that God wants it. If you think about the individual mitzvah, then there will be differences between small and big. Ben Azai says, run to do a small mitzvah. What does he mean by a small mitzvah? What's a small mitzvah? It's interesting, the Gemara says, what is a small mitzvah? Sending away the mother bird when you take the eggs. That's a small mitzvah. I mean, what does it take to scare off a bird? And besides, you'd rather get rid of the bird while you take the eggs. So it's not a sacrifice on your part. It's simple mitzvah. The strange thing is, you can't run to do that mitzvah. You know why? Because you're not supposed to do it on purpose. The mitzvah is, if you come across a nest without looking for it. If you happen to come across a nest and there are eggs there, chase away the mother bird. So you can't say run to do that. You're not supposed to run to do that. It's only supposed to happen if you come across it accidentally. Another example of a small mitzvah is wearing the tzitzis. The Gemara says, this is not a mitzvah you have to go out of your way to do. The mitzvah of tzitzis is to put the strings in the corners of your garments. Well, what if you don't, your garments don't have corners? Well, that's fine. You don't have to go out and make a garment with four corners so that you can put strings in it. So if you don't like four-cornered garments, that's fine. Don't wear it. So you can't say, run to do that mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah you have to run to do. It's only if you have a four-cornered garment. Then the third example the Gemara gives for a small mitzvah is eating in a sukkah. 
You have to run to eat in the sukkah? No, you don't. You live in the sukkah. Where are you running? <laughs> For seven days or eight days, you live in the sukkah. So obviously, this doesn't mean physical running. So what is a small mitzvah? A small mitzvah means an individual mitzvah. When you consider each mitzvah separately, just this one mitzvah, not in light of the fact that God wants all the mitzvahs. You're thinking just about this mitzvah as an individual mitzvah. So, it is so much easier to say, get excited about mitzvahs because they're what God wants. That's a lot easier to get excited about than to say, get excited about lighting Shabbos candles. Not about God wanting you to do it about the lighting of the candle. What's so exciting? It may even be your favorite mitzvah. But what's so exciting? Okay, so you light a candle. It's beautiful, it's nice. But run? What are you running? Why are you over... How can you be overwhelmed by an individual mitzvah? An individual mitzvah has limits. It only happens once a week. It only takes two minutes. And you only light so many candles. How can you get infinitely excited about a finite activity? So Benazai says, you can and you should. That it's not enough to be excited about the nature of all mitzvahs. They are God's will. You also have to get excited about the individual mitzvah. And how excited should you get? Without limit. Unrestrained excitement. Now, the Mishnah knows that that's pretty ambitious. And so the Mishnah tells us that this statement was made by Ben Azai. Ben Azai never got married. Why? He could not tear himself away from the study of Torah. He couldn't. And the rabbis were very upset with him. And they kept telling him, you got to get married. And he said, I know, but what can I do? I can't tear myself away. Actually, as long as we're talking about gossip. <laughs> he was a student of Rabbi Akiva. And he had, in fact, agreed to marry Rabbi Akiva's daughter. But Rabbi Akiva was against it. And they got engaged anyway. Which is kind of interesting because Rabbi Akiva got engaged in spite of his in-law's objections. So Rabbi Akiva's daughter did as his mother did, as her mother did. She got engaged against her mother's wishes, against her father's wishes. But they never did get married. So he was trying, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So what does that mean? If you're on that level where the physical world means so little to you that you cannot pull yourself away from Torah in order to, to engage in, in normal life, then you're very capable of fulfilling this degree of enthusiasm to run even when you're doing a small mitzvah, which means to get excited about the individual mitzvah for its own merit, because it is so exciting. Now you have to understand what this means. The Altarebbe says that in terms of our devotion to God, 
it wouldn't make any difference what kind of mitzvah God would give us. If he would give us the mitzvah to meditate on the glory of his kingdom, on the beauty of his attributes, and have this spiritual experience, we would do that. If he would tell us to just chop wood, we would do that with enthusiasm. And what does he mean by that? He means, obviously, if a king tells you to do something, you got to do it no matter what it is. So where's the, the, the wisdom? Where's the profound wisdom of saying, even if God had told us to chop wood, we would do it? Well, of course you would. He's God. He tells you to do something, you do it. The Rebbe meant to say that the enthusiasm we have for things that feel spiritual, we would have that same enthusiasm for things that don't feel spiritual at all. Because God wants it. But appreciate what the Rebbe is saying here. If you get excited about a mitzvah, whatever your favorite mitzvah is, it's because it inspires you. It has some kind of spiritual power, it has some beauty, some something that makes it your favorite mitzvah, and that's why it inspires you. Not just that God said so. If you were responding to the fact that God said so, you wouldn't have a favorite mitzvah, they would all be the same. So what makes one mitzvah more compelling, more appealing? Because you see something in the mitzvah. It's almost as if now you would do it even if God didn't want you to. Because it's so nice, it's so wonderful. I mean, But then there are those mitzvahs where you feel nothing. So you say, well, there must be something spiritual about this because God said to do it. Here's what the Al-Tareb is saying. The Al-Tareb is saying, if God told us to chop wood, not for spiritual reasons, for no reason, just chop the wood, we would do it with the same enthusiasm, which means we would get excited about chopping wood. That's very nice, beyond the letter of the law. So, let's put it in human terms. Your husband wants something. So you do it. You know he likes it. You know he means a lot to him, so you do it. Now, you do it with great enthusiasm because it's a nice thing to do. You're not as excited as he is, but it's nice. So you do it. So he loves golf. You don't see, you know, it's kind of a boring game to you, but it's a game. You get to exercise, you go out. It's nice. So you do it. With enthusiasm. You're not so enthusiastic about the golf. You're enthusiastic about the fact that you're doing something your husband likes, and that's good for the marriage. But suppose your husband wants to do something that has absolutely no appeal at all. It's, it's, it's like chewing on wood. You could say, well, we're married. I'm devoted to this man. I love him. Whatever he wants, that's what we do. But I can't say that I enjoy <laughs> chewing on the wood. It tastes like wood. So fine, you know, we'll do it. And my enthusiasm is, this is my husband's favorite activity. But the activity itself? I'm not excited at all. 
But if your devotion to your husband was complete, then whatever it is he enjoys becomes enjoyable to you. Russian Chassidim used to tell this story all the time. And I thought it was a little unreasonable. The Tsar had a guard at his door who stood outside the door. And there was one year that the, the winter was horrible. The worst winter. They came in the morning, they found the guard was frozen. He had died. And uh, somebody suggested that he would be given a medal. Because he hadn't moved. He stayed at his post and died from the cold. So they said, well, the man deserves a medal. But the other advisor said, he deserves nothing. When you're guarding the czar, the thought that you are protecting your czar should have kept him warm. <laughs> what do you mean you go cold taking care of the czar? Where's your devotion? Where's your enthusiasm? It should have melted the ice. It's a bit unreasonable, I think, huh? But there's some logic to that. Even if an activity leaves you completely cold, but if it's something the person you love and the person you're devoted to enjoys, it should become your enjoyment. Not enough to say, you know, I hate doing this, I'm only doing it for you. You know, just to prove how much I love you. That's nice, but it's not beyond the letter of the law. Beyond the letter of the law, according to Ben Azai, is that even when you're doing something that by yourself you would have no feeling for it at all. You're doing it only because God wants you to do it. But if God does want you to do it, then the activity itself should become pleasant to you. How pleasant? You can't wait to do it. And that's what he means by a simple mitzvah. A simple mitzvah, he means a single mitzvah. Not the great idea of mitzvahs. No, the simple mitzvah. The lighting of a candle, which you could do any time, any day of the week, but now you're doing the Shabbos candle. That lighting should feel completely different than any other candle, because this is the mitzvah candle. So it's not saying, oh, by doing this, I'm doing a mitzvah. More than that, this feels different because it's a mitzvah. Now, the Mishnah goes on to say, because a mitzvah brings a mitzvah and a sin brings another sin. One of the explanations that Rebbe gives, how can you be enthusiastic about one mitzvah when it's just one mitzvah. So the Rebbe explains like this. This is very profound. There is the individual mitzvah. There is the collective concept of mitzvahs. And then there is the essence. If you, if you compare the individual mitzvah to the collective mitzvah, the collective is much more powerful than the individual. If you're talking about mankind, you're talking about something really much more significant than a man. Obviously. 
although they're not that far apart because mankind is just a bunch of mans. So if the man isn't significant, then why is a bunch of them significant? So if one life isn't important, then why is two? So, of course, there's, there's some similarity there between the collective and the individual. But still, the collective is more significant than the individual. Numbers do count. But when it comes to the essence, there there are no differences. Because essence exists everywhere. It exists in the individual as well as in the, in the general. So I don't know if a good example of... Uh, to a mother, her family is not more significant than one member of the family. Because to her, it's not a question of numbers. Everyone in the family is her. That's her. So how can it be partly her? More her, less her? No, if that's her, then that's her. So the, the individual is as much a part of her as the collective. So when you hurt an individual, you are hurting the collective. Not because the individual is as important as all of them, but because the individual is as essential as all of them. Because it's part of the essence. Halachically, when you're doing a mitzvah, you are exempt of all other mitzvahs. So it's not like if you're busy doing a mitzvah and therefore neglect doing another mitzvah, you're guilty of neglect. You're not. Because when you're doing a mitzvah, you are exempt of all other mitzvahs. But what does that mean? What does it mean? If I'm lighting the Shabbos candle, I don't have to believe in God? <laughs> I'm exempt from all other mitzvahs? If I'm lighting the Shabbos candles, I can burn your house down? I'm exempt? What it means is, when you're doing a mitzvah, it's like you're doing them all. And that's why you're not obligated to run away in the middle of this mitzvah and go do another one. Because you're doing them all. Because in every mitzvah, there is the essence of all the mitzvahs, because in essence, they're all the same. Let's put it in different words. If you're doing a mitzvah, you are satisfying an essential will that God has. So to put it in simple terms, when you're doing a mitzvah, God is content. That's why you don't have to run to another one. He's content. His essence is satisfied. So it's as if you're doing all the mitzvahs, because if he's content, he's content. Can be more content. So that's why you're exempt from all the... Exempt not that you don't have to do them. Exempt because you're doing them all. For that moment, to God, you are perfect. So there is no other mitzvah for you to do. That's what it means. A mitzvah brings a mitzvah. It doesn't just mean that if you do a mitzvah today, you're more likely to do another mitzvah tomorrow. 
which is also true. But that's not beyond the letter of the law. Beyond the letter of the law means when you do a mitzvah properly, it brings all the other mitzvahs. It includes all the It's as if you're doing them all. Because you're touching the essence. And the essence is content. So why should you be running to do an individual mitzvah? Because one mitzvah brings all mitzvahs. Includes all the other mitzvahs. Then a second consideration is the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. Generally, we say we should do a mitzvah without thought of a reward. But that's earlier in Pirkei Avos. The first step is stop thinking about rewards. Think about God. He created the world. He's the master of the universe. He wants you to do this. What do you think about a reward? And if there was no reward, you wouldn't do it? You're in somebody's house. You're a guest. And the host says, can you please hang your coat in the closet? And you say, what do I get for that? <laughs> What's the reward? <laughs> the reward is you won't get thrown out. <laughs> I won't throw you out. if you. What do you mean, what's the reward? Suppose there's no reward. You're just in somebody else's house, and they don't want the coat on the couch. So you hang it up. Yeah, but what's the reward in that? You don't need a reward. So the first step is stop thinking about rewards. It's not nice. Here, Ben Azai says, no, no, go ahead and think about reward. Let's get down to, to the individual mitzvah. What does this mitzvah mean to you? Yeah, go ahead, deal with that. But do it beyond the letter of the law. What is the reward of the mitzvah? The mitzvah. So that even your reward is holy. Right? Even your thought of a reward has now become holy. So the first step is, don't be hung up on rewards. That's easy. It's harder to say, no, I do want a reward. And my reward is the mitzvah. So even my selfish interest has now become beyond the letter of the law. But what does it mean that the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah? The word mitzvah, of course, is translated commandment, like tzivui, instruction, commandment. But there's another meaning to the word, and that is connection. Mitzvah means joined. And it's interesting that in English also, when you're obligated or commanded to do something, you are enjoined to do it. Right? So, commanded and joined are somehow related. Because when there's a command and you fulfill it, you are joined. If your wish is my command, then we have, we've merged. So what does it mean? The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. The reward of the commandment is the attachment. The first meaning of the word brings the second meaning of the word. If I fulfill the mitzvah, meaning commandment, then I get a mitzvah, meaning a connection. So why do I do the mitzvah? Because of the connection it gives me with God.
Now the Rebbe suggests something even more amazing. And this needs a lot of thought. Deserves a lot of thought. When you do a mitzvah, you create a connection. We usually assume the connection is between yourself and God. The Rebbe said, and this must be something, he only said it once, so it must be something not very practical or realistic for the average person. When God gives a commandment, God says, keep my Shabbos, honor your father and mother, feed the poor. That mitzvah is essential to God. But what if nobody does the mitzvah? I don't know how else to put this. What does the mitzvah mean to God when nobody does it? The connection between God and the mitzvah is not complete until a Jew does the mitzvah. And when you do the mitzvah, you connect the mitzvah to God. It's not even about connecting yourself to God. It's making the mitzvah for God what God needs the mitzvah to be. Isn't that amazing? It's like uh, you want to eat something because you happen to like that particular food, but if somebody cooks it for you, <laughs> now you can eat it. Nobody cooks it. It's still your favorite food, but there's a disconnect. There's a distance. So when does the mitzvah become a mitzvah? Only when a Jew does it. Then it becomes God's mitzvah. It completes the mitzvah for him. That's an amazing thought. I mean, we know that, if, for example, you make a pair of tefillin, which is a lot of work, and, you know, a great effort, and you take the leather and you, you heat it and you form it and you, and you turn it into a pair of tefillin, is it holy? It's not holy until someone does a mitzvah with it. So God can say, make me a pair of tefillin. Okay, here's a pair of tefillin. It doesn't mean it. Nobody cooked it. <laughs> nobody put it on. So nobody threw the switch on this thing. So it's a mitzvah in potential, but it doesn't do for God what a mitzvah is supposed to do for him until we do it. That's amazing. <laughs> some, some kid once said, you know, I said to this spoiled teenager, I said, God wants you to honor your parents. I don't care what, they, what your mother did or said or looks like. <laughs> God said, honor your mother. And this teenager said, well, if he likes her so much, let him honor her. <laughs> I was trying to convince her that it means a lot to God. So she said, well, fine. It means that much to him. Let him do it. If honoring parents is such a big mitzvah to him, let him do it. But here's the answer to that. If you don't do it, then the mitzvah doesn't work for him. Yes, it's his mitzvah. He said to honor your parents. He needs you to honor parents. But he can't. It doesn't work when he does it. It only works for him when you do it. Then it becomes his mitzvah. Then it becomes what he loves. A pair of tefillin? It's very nice. Nobody's put them on. That's not what he loves. He loves a used pair of toys, an old pair of shoes. 
So what does it mean, the reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah? If you really want to be noble about it, the reward you feel for doing a mitzvah is that now God enjoys the mitzvah. But what is Shabbos before any Jew kept Shabbos? It's still God's day. It's his day of rest. He rested on the seventh. It's not working for him until a Jew does it. So the reward of your keeping Shabbos is that it makes Shabbos what God needs Shabbos to be for him. It's like activating the... Thinking about that is really takes you into a whole new realm. You're doing the mitzvah so that God can love his mitzvah. And how do you do it? You run to do it. You can't wait. You can't wait to see God enjoy his mitzvah. I think women have an easier time understanding that because nurturing is like that. You prepare a meal when you're in a good mood and you know that this is what he likes or this is what your kid likes. And you can't wait for the kid to come home and taste it and enjoy it and just watch the look on his face. And what are you getting out of this? Nothing. You made this food so that he can enjoy it, knowing that this is his favorite food. But if you don't make it for him, he's not going to enjoy it. It's going to sit in the fridge unprepared. It's like tefillin that nobody ever wore. Now, in a secular society, of course, a secular society goes in the opposite direction. In the secular society, you are told that if you run to prepare a food that you know your husband likes just so that you can see him enjoy it, you're some kind of a loser. That's like the worst thing you could possibly do to yourself. What, you're not important? Only he's important? What, are you a slave? So what in holiness is beyond the letter of the law, in the secular world, it's like embarrassing. It's degrading. It's, it's abusive. It's you got no self-esteem. If you buy into that, life loses all its beauty. Everything becomes just plain because I've never seen anybody get up excited and preparing a food that they like. You like it, you eat it. You don't get to get up and get excited about it. You're crazy. You're a glutton. Think about the enthusiasm. You're going out to get a food you know that somebody is going to like. How about if that somebody is you? Where's the excitement? Where's the enthusiasm? There is none. So the moral of the story is this. When you are really devoted to somebody, it's not just serving and pleasing that someone that is exciting. It's the activity itself, which by itself might not be exciting, but because it serves somebody else's need, It becomes exciting. The activity itself, the individual act, the mitzvah itself becomes exciting. And in terms of child rearing, 
It's one thing to say to a child, God wants you to make a bracha before you eat. So, got to be very careful. I mean, God wants you to make a bracha. If you eat without a bracha, it's like you're eating without his permission. And you're eating his food. That's one thing. The second thing is, the kid makes the bracha. And you say, that's how you make a bracha? You skipped half the words. Or you made the bracha, and in the meantime you were playing with your... When you're making a bracha, stand straight. You're talking, you're talking to God. In other words, the act itself has to be correct. Get excited about the act itself. Not just the fact that it's a necessary act. And that's what it means to discipline a child. We usually think of discipline as stopping the child from misbehaving. Stopping the child from sinning. Stealing, lying, beating up his brother. <laughs> of course you've got to stop him from doing that. But that, that's not wisdom. That's just necessary. Real wisdom means you discipline a child when he's doing something good, but he's not doing it the right way. That's why it was so enlightening when I read this story that the previous Rebbe's father once chastised him he said, I saw you share the candy earlier with your friend, and I noticed that you didn't do it with your whole heart. Now, if I saw my kid sharing a candy with a friend, I'd be very happy. Whole heart, half heart, what's the difference? He shared. <laughs> Good kid. That's not called disciplining. So you don't discipline misbehavior. You discipline proper behavior. Like being in the army. You know, you come to uh, whatever it's called, the lineup over there, and you're wearing all the right equipment, and you're wearing the uniform, but the shoes are not polished. Oh, come on, it's the regulation shoes. What do you, what do you want? But they're not polished. You're wearing the regulation uniform, but you didn't button the button. So, well, come on, don't get so... That's called discipline. You're doing the right thing, do it right. The details count.